Hello, and welcome to The Rodeo on Record. We'll jump into the good stuff in just a moment, but first, some context. The Rodeo is an independent music magazine showcasing the best in new music across genres of alternative, indie and Americana. From interviews to featured articles, the mag encompasses everything we love about gig-going, vinyl collecting and playlist making. Now, off the back of the magazine comes our latest venture, The Rodeo On Record, offering a behind-the-scenes look at our content, bringing you snippets of our interviews in their most organic form. My name is Liv Cowell, I'm one of the editors and writers at The Rodeo, and I'm beyond excited to bring you this podcast. The Rodeo On Record is something we've wanted to do for a long time, seeing as there's so much material that we don't get to share with our readers each issue. From bonus questions to tangent chats, this is the place to be for exclusive insight into what makes our magazine so full and fabulous. So giddy up, partner, and let's get to it. This episode, we're celebrating the release of our 15th print issue, featuring interviews with Crawlers, Dead, Just Mustard, Mama, and our glorious cover stars, Muna As well as full-length feature interviews with all of the wonderful acts I just mentioned, this latest issue is packed with insightful feature pieces to get lost in, punchy album reviews from the latest records you should be filling your ears with, and gorgeous photo shoots to drool over again and again. All exclusive to print because some things really just need to be admired in person, don't you think? To grab your copy, head to our shop at therodeomag.com and see if we can't tempt you with some of our delicious merch while you're there. Go on, grab one more tote bag. Just, just one more. Anyway, while all of the interviews in our magazine are exclusive to the sexy, thick paper they've been printed on, we do have a little snippet or two of them to share with you today. Coming up, you'll hear clips from our chats with Dubliners, Just Mustard. I think like you, when you're writing lyrics, like you have imagery and that imagery has colour. So blue was the, definitely the colour of the lyrics. And it sounds so funny to say that out loud. And Californian power trio, Muna. Like, I think they think we're just like another synth pop band. And that pissed me off. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, we're serious fucking musicians and producers. So grab yourself a cuppa, set your phone to Do Not Disturb and enjoy. Just like the yellow sauce, just mustard at a complex flavour. Lodged somewhere between Massive Attack, Sinead O'Connor and This Mortal Coil, the band dips their toes in shoegaze, rock, post-punk, ambient, industrial, glitch, just about anything really, leaving journalists like myself in a bit of a pickle. Oh, doesn't he have a way with words, our Nick? That was the brief introduction Deputy Editor Nick Eichen wrote as a precursor to his chat with the group. Having released their debut record Wednesday in 2018, the Dublin-based five-piece returned in 2022 with a brand new album ready for launch. Nick sat down with lead vocalist Katie Ball and guitarist David Noonan to fill in the gaps on the new record, titled Heart Under. And the clip you're about to hear sums up their conversation beautifully. Insightful, mellow and quite literally full of colour. Yeah, I don't think we've added too much mad stuff in. I think I think there's on one recording we did before. Was I like slapping? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but that was that was just for the, that was just funny. I think that was another thing that was like we did it in the studio for the crack and then didn't actually really use it in the mix. It was just like there's, me slapping my chest or something like that, or my belly or my back. It's full on like choir in one of the songs on Wednesday. Yeah, we deleted it by we, the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, the songwriting. I think we try loads of stuff like that during recording. Like, oh, let's. I think on Wednesday, like, there's a sound of a door closing or something at the end of one song, but that was just trying to lead into like the band in a room. Yeah. Sign, which is what happened. Like, you walked in at the end of someone's take. But uh, yeah, I think we always end up doing that stuff where like we experiment and try and add in loads of stuff and go, oh, wouldn't it be class if we used the sound of that, like kettle boiling or whatever that got at the end of a take? But then it's kind of the same as the song, right? We ended up just stripping everything back and trying to make it. I even found out after we recorded it, it was trying to pull out stuff, layers of micro of like different mics and stuff to try and make it like so your brain so the listener can actually like hook onto something and follow it. And it's not just like overbearing like textures and stuff. So yeah. I definitely would more like sampley, like adding in like textures from outside of the bands playing, but I just don't know, because there's so much stuff, it's hard to fit it in, I suppose. Can get just get cluttered then. You know? Yeah. Or maybe if we can get some more we can get more minimal <laughs> take away some guitars in the bass and just add like just you and like drums yeah. you and like and traffic or something <laughs> it'd be like that sound that scene in a 24 hour party people you'll be on top of you'll be Martin Hannett on top of a, <laughs> on top of a hill recording the leaves yeah. uh, like all these textures I've heard you kind of relate to colour before um, and I wondered where or like how that kind of began and whether the co- where the colours kind of come from. Is it from the music? Is it from yourselves? Mm, probably a bit both. The, yeah, the feeling of the music, I suppose. And then you know, this album, it was maybe more of a concept than before. Yeah. On Wednesday, it was definitely just a mood of the music and we were like, this is, album's just red, isn't it? And yeah. It was like, yeah. And then we just like lent into that. But on this album, it was a lot more of a concept from the thing from the. Yeah. I think it just like relate, like a lot of the lyrical themes were related to water and like even just like the music. I think we all kind of shifted down like an octave, sort of like I started playing a lot more like like detuned guitar chords and stuff. And Rob, the bass player, moved down to like an octave a lot on the into like more sub bass regions and stuff. And so it was just this feeling of more like low endy, garbly, like watery guitar stuff as well I was feeding into it and yeah it was just a parallel with your lyrics that we, that we started kind of we just kind of ran with it then yeah. we were like let's just the two of them kind of were leaning into, like obviously the lyrics first obviously were way more of a thing about it because there's more imagery in them but mm-hmm. it definitely started to feel like part like they were bouncing off each other so we started leaning into it and then uh, which was cool it was part of the part of the writing everton in such a short space of time like all the songs yeah. basically from, from scratch over the course of like three months they started to feed into each other as well as we were finishing them and but yeah I think the blue thing was maybe started in the lyrics and a little and then it was kind of we kind of were, we kind of, as we were writing the music it was like oh this is kind of a blue I remember thinking it was like not even blue but it was like the like black and blue yeah something. it was like the colour of the album in my head um, would you agree Katie that kind yeah. of like because obviously you're putting not just sound to to the colour but words mm-hmm. um yeah, would you agree that kind of you could relate to that color and 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 see yeah. how you could evoke that? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I wonder what was the first song that had like a reference to water, but I can't remember now. It's all a blur. Um, yeah, I think that yeah, blue was the definitely the color of the lyrics. Anyway, it sounds so funny to say that out loud. Blue was the color of the lyrics. Um, I think like you, when you're writing lyrics, like you have imagery and that imagery has colour. So it does kind of make sense. Yeah. 
yeah I'd, I'd like I'd kind of moving on to your lyrics a little bit um you have quite a uh intense like almost haunting delivery um sometimes across the new the new um, LP and I wondered where you think that kind of energy comes from or whether you certainly can you can recognize that energy I suppose I I think I'm I don't know I, I, I find it hard to recognize I think because I just know myself and maybe like you know I'm not like I don't know because like I suppose I like I like in like reviews or whatever I, I get called like haunting or you know ghostly uh and I'm like I'm just like singing <laughs> you know so I don't know uh I think like the first time I think I ever like tried shouting properly was like with Frank and then we were like that sounds cool let's try to do more of that sort of shouting thing in the new album and I think there ended up being like less shouting but anyway I'm kind of going off on a tangent here uh yeah I don't know yeah do you find it quite cathartic then with all this that primal scream I think it's probably my least favorite part of singing is like some of the you know shouting parts and I don't know why, but uh, I like the, yeah, I kind of prefer singing, but mm. it's not cool in the record. If like, the music's getting intense, then it's kind of cool to match that vocally. I wondered if you kind of have any specific kind of uh, vocalist that you'd look up to um, when you when you kind of began approaching vocals. Um, I think like Sinead O'Connor, Elizabeth Fraser, Dolores O'Riordan. I suppose you use kind of vocals as like an instrument as much as anyone else in the band. Um, yeah. To add that, like it's like another layer of texture. Um, yeah, it kind of like, you know, myself and this, this kind of symbols, hi-hats occupy the high territory. And then like the bass and the sub-bass is like the low. So we've kind of stretched it out. <laughs> yeah and I suppose you've also got like you you sound like a little bit kind of front and more front and center on this on this LP um and I wonder if yeah if that was a conscious decision um and also how how that felt kind of being more kind of exposed I suppose yeah it was a conscious decision and um, I think Wednesday was quite kind of like heavy texture heavy textured yeah. and you know a kind of like oh like even like when we were doing Wednesday I probably wasn't that like confident in my singing really and then like I've kind of grown a bit more confident and maybe wanted to hear myself a bit louder <laughs> and uh yeah I think just I think the whole album we wanted it to be a bit more clear and crisp and not as textured like muggy or like you know mm -hmm. whatever I think it was a conscious decision before we started writing and or before we started writing and recording as well but then when you're the stuff you're writing as well like the lyrics and melodies are so good you're like this has want these definitely be heard not be like blurred away yeah as well you know kind of like was a double decision like beforehand and then also when, yeah when after we wrote it it was like this definitely reinforced the idea yeah, yeah. Part of it well, well i think we kind of well i i suppose i, I think i cared cared a lot more about the lyrics on this album than i did the last album mm. so why do you think that is I think I was like new to writing lyrics in the first album and I didn't 
I, I didn't know really how to or like I like I was just like I don't know if this is good you know I just had I was just like writing stuff and then I suppose I just put a lot more effort into like the writing of the lyrics on this album mm. well just to get good at it I don't know <laughs> I think you're pretty good at it I think you're all pretty good at what you do um to be honest I think uh the vocals kind of are an like an extension of the uniqueness of the rest of the sound um and to have that kind of pushed more forwards uh kind of add, it adds to setting you kind of apart from from other bands uh in a, in a really positive way obviously from wednesday to the new album it's been quite a wait and a lot has happened and i wondered how that time has changed you as a group or or whether you know, um, like you said there, that you kind of take more attention maybe for what you do, for what you add um, to the group. I think uh, Wednesday being our first release, we were kind of just, it was like, a, I don't know, it was like a collection of songs that we had at the time, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. then kind of, um, you know, we got to sort of, when we released Wednesday, we didn't have anyone really listening to us until re-released it and then you know getting to travel with it and play it in front of people and kind of makes you go oh look this is this something we could do and then but uh definitely a good few years older than I was (laughs) anyway I think the band obviously changed before we've been gigging for years and stuff I think the people will change as well yeah yeah I think I, I agree I think we've all kind of changed in some ways and like it's weird uh, I think it would be worse if you were kind of 18 going into that pandemic and now having like two years kind of formative years cut out of your life um, yeah. but it's a weird kind of like you are older but you don't necessarily feel feel older yeah. uh, it's kind of a weird weird little um, anomaly they're um, living with our parents and shit you know <laughs> <laughs> well I'm an, I've only just moved out and I'm 24 so um, yeah I think I think that's the case for a lot of people. I think that's something actually I learned through lockdowns. Kind of, I don't need to um, measure myself against other people, and I don't have to. If I want something to change in my life, I don't have to kind of have it like in a month change. You know what I mean? Like, like things take time, and then that's yeah, a good yeah. thing. Um, and to have that space and time is is a good thing as well. So for the second album, like I've kind of mentioned already, it sounds like everyone's kind of stepped up a little bit. Like there's a little bit kind of more from a listener perspective it's kind of everything's a little you know plus one everywhere um and i wondered how much you saw going into this second album as a real opportunity to grow and to, to keep trying new things and to not kind of settle on what you'd already done before yeah i think it'd be like easy to just like make another wednesday because we'd already done it and like we know how to write songs in that way maybe we did want to just like uh we don't want to be the band who just writes the same, you know, like similar stuff. We do want to keep like taking that step up uh, with everything we do and just, you know, having a different sound and album, I suppose. And, but like a lot of it is like you can plan for things and then they just turn out the way they do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we planned, we had like, you know, different plans for this album. We'd load of plans and then it's just it the way it is. it is what it is then in the end. It's like a, it's still the document of the time in a way, you know? Yeah. Just to add on to that, we kind of, Wednesday, I think we approach everything like it's, it's its own singular thing as well. 
like at Wednesday, it was like we wanted to make an album in a very specific way. And that was what we wanted to do. And then what happened in between that and us finishing it was what, what it was, as you say. Yeah. And then same with this one. But it wasn't like, okay, now we're making the follow-up to Wednesday. It was like, now we're making another album. Where are we? And what, are we, what way are we going to do it? And like, it wasn't necessarily written from the perspective of a follow-up album or a second album. It was written as its own project. Yeah. To stand on its own. So it's weird now. I know we have two albums. I know the second one's on it. Yeah, I'm kind of like mad to make another because... Well, it's two, been a two while is like a weird number as well. Yeah, two, two is like a weird number. Like two is like it's this or that. But if you have three, it's kind of, yeah, there's a bit more of a range of stuff to work into. Really, so yeah, it's like football. If you two nil up, it can it can kind of one if they get one back, it could be two two. You know what I mean? <laughs> three nil, you've killed the game off then. Boss, um, what I want to do. <laughs> You can read the rest of that interview by grabbing a copy of Volume 15 on our website. Thank you to Katie and David for their contribution to the magazine. Heart Under is out now, and of course we heartily recommend it. Calling from LA, Naomi McPherson, Katie Gavin and Josette Maskin have just enough time to spare before rushing off to an afternoon photo shoot. Hours, incidentally. Ruffling still wet hair and gluing lashes to lids, the group's focus remains sharp and insightful as I coax out the details of their newest project. A quick excerpt there from our cover interview with alt-pop trio Muna, who are the second guest on this episode. Now, I had the pleasure of stepping up last minute to take this piece and was just blown away by how profound and heartfelt the three were so down to earth ahead of their new self-titled album release. But what really struck me was how unapologetically self-assured they all were in backing their talent and success. And quite right too. The clip you're about to hear is a great example of that and it ends with an exclusive bonus question I had for the band, which turned out to be surprisingly time sensitive, shall we say. But we'll get to that. Katie starts us off here, reflecting on how the group has progressed since the release of their second album, Saves the World, which came out in 2019. The second record was very, um, like, heady and self-reflective and, like, looking at all the patterns, but not necessarily, like, getting into it, like, in our bodies and, like, trying to have new relationships in different ways. But, like, on this record, I think we explore a lot of that. And so there's a lot of, like... And there's this new tone of like self-compassion mm-hmm. um, for like, cause it's not like the record is completely, it's it's our version of joyful where like, it's not life so fun all the time. It's like, sometimes there is like heartbreak and things don't work out, but it's mm-hmm. like, how do you treat yourself when that type of thing happens? Um, and that I think I'm really proud of that we've been able to like depict on the record. Cause that's, more nuanced you know yeah well it's really positive to hear all that because I think as you grow not only as a band but as people you definitely go through all those kind of shifts like you mentioned about breakups and new relationships and all the excitement and the heartache and the fury and I suppose as you reach that stage in your lives where you're exploring these things but then seeing them differently and treating yourselves differently I suppose it's such an important thing and I guess that exploring that musically must have been a really interesting experience right I think it's like something that you're not exactly even conscious of when it's happening. Yeah. Because you're just like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, you're just 
living your life and then maybe in like five years Mm -hmm. we'll have a little bit more perspective as to how exactly like where we were played into how we made the music but I feel like I'm too in it like I'm too close to it to exactly have (laughs) like a lot of perspective you know what I mean I think I can see it with y'all like a little bit more because I don't know like I I just see that Naomi and Joe often are making like they're going on these like sonic explorations together and then like they're keeping me updated (laughs) like I I just (laughs) see the results but um I think that there is something maybe this is a stretch but like I think that there is something about when you trust yourself more that like you can like it you can go farther with uh, a sonic like experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe there's something about like we couldn't have released a song like Silk like earlier as a band because I think and they've I know that y'all have expressed this before like I think we were like cripplingly self-aware and we were worried of like how something would be perceived like oh that song is like too silly like no one's gonna take us seriously but um I think just having the ability to to trust ourselves of like we like this um yeah and like I think on this album like I'm really loving like one of the things that when we released kind of girl like it's so sweet how our fans are just like so willing to go with us to any genre because they're mm-hmm. like it's us so like y'all are gonna do it how like how Muna does it and um I think there is something about like yeah like the the trust in ourselves um that led to the album being like as expansive and exploratory as it is yeah I would totally agree with that and I think the hearing about how authentic it seems to have been like the whole process of you guys producing it and creating it and writing it really shines through um and obviously a huge part of that is the fact that it's an eponymous album so despite being record number three this is the first time you're calling it after yourselves and I wonder if that ties in with this feeling of you know trusting yourselves more and being a little bit more self or even less self-aware but more self-reflective if that makes sense so Mm. Joe I don't know if you want to comment on that at all if there's anything you think that ties in with that I would also just say that it's also in some ways the most amount of work and self-belief that we had to have because during this process there were a lot of you know roadblocks like we got dropped by you know our label there was a global pandemic there was a lot going on and also you know during the pandemic it's not like we were really had the ability to work with a lot of other people so we just really had to hunker down and believe that we could do this and I think that's why I don't know it is so Muna because I don't know if Muna's ever done so much to make a Muna record in that way yeah I feel I feel in a way like we did for the first record but we didn't like care that much or know anything so we just you know what I mean like we did it's sim- it's a similar process because the first record was pretty self-produced too and then like with some additional stuff from Dan Gregg and it's the same with this record um like god bless Dan Gregg he's like one of the he's the best mixer in the world um the, I track it in my head as being like the first record we were just ha- like head full of dreams like you know like doing like just doing it to like 
prove that we could do it ourselves and like, and not being like feeling cool, but like not being too hard on ourselves. And then I think when the second record came around, at least for me, it was like, okay, I don't know if people take us seriously. Like, I think they think we're just like another synth pop band. And that pissed me off yeah, a little bit. I was like, you, like, you don't know, you don't understand. Like we're serious fucking musicians and producers. So I think the second record had a little bit of like, for me, a feeling of like, I want to prove that we're a very serious band with like seriously great, like musicianship and production and songwriting. And like, I want this to be a, a critically like acclaimed record that people think is good art. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe by the time the third record has come around, it's a little bit more of like, okay, like amalgamated a lot of like information and experiences and skills, maybe approaching this all ourselves with like a new perspective on what that could mean. And like the standard that we've set for ourselves did make it like more work and more difficult. Cause there was a bit more like pressure maybe yeah, to like, to make something that's not too overthought, but that is still like creative and interesting. I don't know if that that's like a bit rambly, but that's kind no, of not like at all. I think it, thinking about it. It definitely makes a lot of sense. I think it it really encapsulates the stages that you must go through as you progress as a band. That whole kind of just putting something out there, seeing if it's any good, doing it because we love it, and then episode two you know record yeah. two, record two being like okay well we want to be taken seriously because we love it we know we're good at it and this isn't just like anything else we're really passionate about this so then you kind of maybe almost get two in your head about it and then record three is where it sounds like you guys have really reached a point as a group where you feel like you're more comfortable in what you're putting out there you don't really need to be that aware about how it's going to be perceived because it's authentic to you guys it's about reflecting how you are in the moment like you said earlier Katie um and sonically I guess that comes in in hand with how varied I think this record is in terms of the different genres that you encompass you go through a lot of your typical kind of synth pop sounds a couple of tracks a little bit grittier a little bit more electronic and then you've got something that's almost it's so beautiful it was um kind of girl and it's got those mm-hmm. lovely strings in it and it really builds and it goes through all these different waves and stuff. And I just wondered if you could talk through the sonic elements of this album, the production and the different layers and how you think that reflects. Does it reflect on the same feeling of joy as you were creating it? Because I think that's a really interesting story that you've just told about how you guys have approached this album. I just want to say yeah. quickly, I'm, well, no, I want you to answer, but I'm just saying because of when the shoot is, I'm attempting to put on uh, an eyelash <laughs> thing. So sorry, that's what I'm doing. But no no judgment, go for it. The, I guess I would say, and I've said this so many times, but when we were making the second record, um, we worked with this man, Mike Crossy, and he, um, when we were making it, he would tell us that he thinks the modern band is genreless because, you know, and, and I think that Muna really encapsulates that and we took it to heart because what makes Muna Muna is just like us making the music. Mm-hmm. And I think during the second record, we really felt free to do that. And I mean, I think just by making so much music, like we've made so much music that I think we just try to do what we think is best for the song despite ourselves. And I feel like 
with this record, every song that Katie wrote, we maybe felt more free because we trusted our instincts more because of this experience. And also just because of like growing up and trying to become less, it's not like we were egotistical, but becoming, you know, less self-involved people in that specific way. And I think that just kind of allowed us to go even further than we had before in making Sonic choices. Okay, so you got the shoot in like half an hour. I hope you're excited. It's going to be a really exciting. We're like I'm like waiting for my hair to dry. I'm like my hair is still wet, so I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, but... um, and we had a little bit of a change last minute for the location because we were going to do yeah. it at the pool. And I hear that you each got a new tattoo this week. Would you yeah. be happy to share with me and our lovely listeners what those tattoos are? If it's personal, feel free to tell me to bugger off. But you know. <laughs> You know what's it's- funny is like, wait, okay, Liv, when does this come out? Um, so this should be coming out like June-ish. Okay. I think we're fine. Yeah. You think we're fine? Well, the funny thing is, is like we got it as it's we got a group tattoo for another publication as a laugh. Like oh. <laughs> so that is what that that's what it is. We got I, wondering, we, I was wondering if we can share like about the competitive it, a competitor. Well um, you can always say it and I can always just retract it later and we don't have to yeah. publish it. That's fine. Okay. So now we can tell. I mean so uh if you're aware of the lore online, I think it was originally started by the artist Shamir and then it led to like a big kind of viral Twitter thread of how many artists have gotten 7.7s on pitchfork. But the but those artists being largely or like in large part albums and artists that are like beloved by the queer community. Okay. So the a seven point seven is a queer a queer essential listening. Like it's a it's a gay ten. Oh, brilliant! Um, so we got seven point seven tatted because we were recipients of a seven point seven, which was decided by the Pitchfork staff. So we're very proud and happy about that uh, <laughs> to be to be in good company with like you know charlie xcx and tanache yeah. and like all those a lot of really cool uh people so we're, yeah that's what we, we got it as a laugh oh congratulations that's really cool though <laughs> yeah yeah it's goofy but it's fun it'll be funny too because obviously we have we have no control over how they're gonna rank this album so we're just like mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully 7.6 <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see man <laughs> The day that this podcast is released is also the day of the new album launch as well. So Muna's third album is available to listen to now. I cannot hype it up enough. It's an absolute joy. The full interview with Muna is available to read across 16 glorious pages, being the cover piece for volume 15. It features some beautiful photography from Katie Crone, who was an absolute hero in dashing about LA to get the perfect shots for us. A huge thank you goes out to her and also to Naomi, Katie and Joe for offering us their precious time for the magazine. Once again, you can grab your own copy of Volume 15 at our website, which is therodeomag.com. Let us know how you enjoy it. And if you fancy, you can also pick up a cheeky tote bag for a little deal. We're doing a mag and a bag for £15. Mag and a bag for £15. That's available exclusively online at theroadiomag.com. 
Thank you so much for listening to The Rodeo on Record. If you enjoyed, and we hope you did, make sure to tell a pal, a colleague, anyone who listened really, and give us a big fat five-star rating wherever you're listening. This is the best way to support the podcast and help us reach new listeners. For more independent content, visit therodeomag.com where you can find a shop to all our latest print magazines as well as a great big load of online content to explore. Interviews, album reviews, strange feature pieces we can't totally explain. We like to think there's something there for everyone. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our latest work and future episodes. You'll find us at The Rodeo Mag on both. That's all for now, partner, but we hope to see you around these parts again. I've been your host, Liv Cowell, and on behalf of all the team at The Rodeo, thank you again for listening. Yeehaw! Yeehaw!